I'm Donna Edda, and this is Interested, a podcast that brings you stories from brilliant minds to inspire love, health, and growth. I'm excited to bring you this conversation with Caroline Rhodes. She is smart, funny, warm, and inquisitive. Caroline is a wealth of knowledge about holistic wellness and is dedicated to help people heal. Caroline is the founder of The Body Group in Hong Kong, a physiotherapy and wellness clinic. She is one of Asia's top trainers in emotional freedom techniques and matrix reimprinting. She has used these techniques to heal herself from a tumor and severe spinal degeneration. Caroline has a Bachelor of Science degree in Science and Physical Therapy from North Arizona University. She has successfully treated people from professional athletes such as the Hong Kong Rugby Union team to war veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. She's also well known for her work in treating newborns and infants for spinal, head and face misalignment. Today, we sit down and discuss her journey to self-healing. Her approach is alternative and I find it fascinating and definitely worth sharing. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Caroline Rhodes. Hi, Caroline. Thank you for coming on my show. Thanks for asking me, Janet. <laughs> I am deeply, deeply honored to have you here to share your personal stories with our audience because I really think it's going to make a difference in somebody's life out there and it's a really important message but going back I just want to talk about how we met because a new mom absolutely in the rut and I came across your name on the Facebook page the Hong Kong the healthy living Hong Kong Facebook page I think it was like postnatal depression but I didn't want to see a therapist because it felt like something is wrong with me. And then I made my appointment with you and that changed everything. It really changed the direction of my life and also motherhood. So mm. I just want to say thank you and just paint a background picture on how we met. So I want to start talking about a little bit about your upbringing. Um, well, I was born in Korea. And um, I have a twin sister, and so when we were about six months old, we moved to the U.S. My mom's Korean, my dad's American, and he was in the military, so I grew up moving about every three years of my life. So I, you know, moved around a lot. <laughs> I, learned, um, I learned how to uh, blend in quickly. Um, being mixed race wasn't easy in the 60s especially in the Midwest. I grew up with a lot of racism, so I had to learn to fit in quickly. And a lot of the times when we moved, it was not necessarily at the beginning of a school year. It could be right in the middle of a school year. And for anybody who's ever had to start in a new school, in a new place, you know, new home, new everything, in the middle of a school year, you kind of know, I think, what I'm talking about, because it can be a little, you know, intimidating, <laughs> to say the least. Were your parents supportive in your struggle? Were, were there someone there to help you get through this? Um, I, you know, I think um, the way parents were parenting back then is nothing like what they do now. So my parents were pretty busy. My mom did not work. She was at home, but she was busy. Um, my dad, you know, uh, went to work. And so 
um, at that time, you know, it was still safe to play in your neighborhood and to go ride your bikes and play at night, hide and seek. So, you know, I just had a pretty much normal childhood in terms of, you know, lots of activities, um, you know, still being able to go out and play at night and not being worried that something could happen. Um, parents did not get involved. If, you know, if a teacher complained about your behavior, my parents agreed with the teacher. <laughs> they didn't like, you know, make an appointment at the school and harass the school and say, there's something wrong with you. You know, there's nothing wrong with my child. So it's a totally different time and different way people parented. So you grew up as an athlete. So tell us about that part of your life. Um, I think basically I learned to run fast. I was a sprint. I was a phenomenal runner. Unbelievable. And I think part of it was just to run away from the kids who were trying to beat me up in school. <laughs> For real? For real. I'm serious. Because it got pretty tough, you know? Wow. It got pretty tough. There were times when I, um, yeah, I had did you to. Ever go, did you ever get beaten up? Oh, yeah. I got beaten up. Um, name calling, chink, you name it. It was especially bad uh, when my dad went to Vietnam. Um, and um, at that time in the United States, anybody who looked remotely Asian must be a communist. And, you know, it's mm. not the kids, it's the parents, right? They hear things from their parents. They learn things from the parents. At this time, I was living in Kentucky. So not San Francisco, not New York. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I got called a lot of names that I didn't understand and, you know, just had to learn to uh, defend myself. So initially, yeah, I'd say running was a good way of getting out of a sticky situation. (laughs) Um, I can't say that I was a fighter. Right. Even to this day, I don't like, I I, I don't, you know, like I'm in healthcare. I want to see people feel good. I don't want to hurt people. Um, but I'm definitely over the years have become very confident. I have no problems with confrontation. I feel like I can resolve pretty much any situation to not get, you know, nasty. Although sometimes, you know, I can, I still have that little bit in me where I'm like, I can, you know, I could probably defend myself pretty easily (laughs) verbally. (laughs) But so when you said that you can run really fast, how fast was it? Like, were you run, Were you winning oh, the yeah, competitions I had, yeah, at yeah, school? Yeah, I was winning yeah, medals and stuff like that, held a school record. Were like. you being nurtured with that? Or no. you, you kind of just show up, you don't even need to stretch, and you can win a race? Um, oh, nurtured in that way. Yes. Um, I had some, yeah, no, I had some good coaches, and they really pushed me hard. Mm. Um, and I'm grateful for that because it taught me – to that I knew that I could get through anything you know like sometimes you the training would be so hard I mean literally you would what was you would be sick just running lots of running after school how long would you run how what was the distance was the time I was a sprinter so it was always like you know short distances I think my I don't even remember my best time now. It was definitely the 100-yard dash. Most people don't use yards, so I can't convert that right now into meters. I also did hurdles, um, and I also did long jump. I also surprisingly did the shot put and actually did well because I'm not a very big person. I was the smallest woman on, uh, on the track and field doing the shot put. Um, but I was just naturally, you know, quite strong, like probably for, you know, lots of reasons. But like I said, really defending myself. You were a great athlete and you were winning competitions. And then you found out 
Later on that you had spinal degeneration. Yeah. yeah, degeneration. So, but that happened a bit later. So I was um, in my early 20s and I started to get some really bad, um, really, really severe, they would wake me up, headaches. I think it was maybe worse than a migraine, definitely neurological, um, because my face and my, um, the inside of my mouth, the whole side of my, whole side of my left face would have the worst horrific pain, numbness, um, burning, tingling. So I um, decided to go to, um, I, I knew a lot of healthcare people at that time. I was living in California. So a, actually he was a friend of mine, was a, a neurologist. Um, and I really trusted him. We did a lot of, he, he referred me a lot of patients, so I, I knew him. And when I went to him, um, they said, let's do an MRI. So they did an MRI on my brain to rule out a tumor. And then they did one on my spine. And that's when they picked up that my spine was completely degenerated. Uh, it's called Sherman's disease. At least that's what I was diagnosed with, which is degeneration. And, and my x-ray showed that my spine looked like an 80-year-old. So my, um, wow. my friend... Dr. Halworth says, you know, Caroline, he goes, you need to, you need to fuse this because when you get older, you're not even going to be able to stand up. It's only going to get worse. And, and you were in your 20s. Yeah. And I was like, I worked with people who had spinal fusion. I knew I did not want a spinal fusion. Why? What do you mean? Like when you work with those people, what um, did you see? They're in a lot of pain. You know, from and, the and, actual fusion. Well, the fusion causes a lot of other issues, right? Because they they have to go down your spine, and they pretty much take away a part of the bone, and they put in a, a metal rod, so you don't have any more flexibility. Mm. Uh, it really limits your life. You have to be pretty careful. Uh, they don't usually hold. You know, the bones are so strong over time; they have to be redone. You also start having a lot of other problems with your organs because all the spinal nerves coming out from the, that area, they go, go to your organs as well. So you've got all kinds of scar tissue, and there's a lot of complications. I'll so say. you decided to not... No, I did not want to do it. I thought I would rather live with this than have a spinal fusion because that was going to limit me. You know, I still was very active in sports. I, you know, I could have a normal life, but I think they were, he was more concerned about what my future would look like. Mm. And I, I guess they, the thought was, well, we should do it now while you're still pretty healthy so that when you're older, you'll still be functioning because I think he really believed that it was either going to crumble or, or I wouldn't even be able to sit up straight. My spine would just fall apart. So then what treatment did you... Oh, okay. Undergo. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, had, like, had a network of friends that were physical therapists. That's what we call them in the States. I went to physical therapist. I went to, um, had some friends that were uh, chiropractors, very alternative chiropractors. Um, I went to um, osteopathic doctors, which are very different from most osteopathic doctors in the United States. Osteopathic doctors also do surgery, but I knew ones that did manipulation. They're like the equivalent of a medical doctor, right. different from European type of osteopath. So, you know, I, and, and some of them were really helpful. I was doing a lot of stretching. I was stretched anyway. Um, and I was still running at that time, not competitively, but I was, you know, still working out. I was doing all kinds of sports still. So what played the most, what played an important role in your healing process then? When I look back on it now, yeah. definitely addressing emotions. <laughs> right. Because that's uh, what I found over, you know, I've been in practice for over 30 years. So first of all, my, 
my basic training was looking at the physical body because I am a physical therapist. But early on, I already had an insight into other areas, and that was partly because I spent um, a summer with my mom's osteopath. And I really liked what he did. And I had said to him, you know, I'm really, I was quite young still at the time. I was trying to decide whether I wanted to be a physio or a vet. So I spent three months with him and following him around and told him, I said, you know, I really like what you do. I like that you can actually help people feel better by, you know, doing some gentle manipulation and not surgery. I said, I'm interested in that part of it, not going into like surgery. Probably didn't have the brains for it anyway. So he goes, well, that's easy. He goes, you should study to become a physical therapist. And I really hadn't heard of what that was at the time. And he said, become a physical therapist. You'll always be recognized by insurance companies. Um, You'll be able to, you know, you'll always be able to uh, get a good job. But this is the courses you should take. And he listed off some different courses that I hadn't quite heard of before. And I actually took his advice. It was probably the best professional advice anybody had ever given me for my career. Wow. From these treatments, you got rid of the spinal degeneration? Is that something that you can... Well, I can't say I got rid of the spinal degeneration then, but it sort of led me on a journey to look at the body not just the bones, joints, muscles like we, we study in physio, or also the nervous system, but I started to learn about the cranial sacral system, so working with cerebral spinal fluid. I learned um, another course called somato-emotional release, which is an old way of releasing emotions. I since then have found a much better way. I did rebirthing several times. Um, these were a lot of prerequisites I had to take before I could start working in pediatrics with newborns. And what I do in terms of uh, alignment and, and all the stuff that I do with babies. And so, you know, by then I was still actually in my late 20s by then. So I was getting these kind of treatments because whenever you study these techniques and you meet other people, you do trading treatments, you know, I spent a lot of time. I mean, I, when I say I was a course junkie, I mean, I, I spent so much time studying uh, new techniques and it was, oh, it was exciting. Because so, it was not stuff you learned at university. For me, it's not I felt... not prerequisite, right? These no, at university we learn the foundation. And I've learned over the years, if it's been in print that long, I'm not that interested. I want the new stuff. If it's in print and it's been in print for several years, it's kind of getting old. I want new stuff. <laughs> Which is what's so cool about like all these podcasts and stuff like that. Because this is like new information. Yes, absolutely. And they're always updating it. And if you put it in print, you know, in six months' time, they can learn something new and it changes again. So, Well, from the spinal in, um, degeneration, I should want to tap into EFT. Okay. No pun intended. I think from our conversations that EFT has played a massive role in your self-healing. For sure. And... It seems so simple, and I, it's almost unbelievable that it can do what it's done for you. Right. I've learned that you healed from a tumor. Right. So <laughs> can we discuss the specifics on how you self-healed from that? Right. Well, um, that was a really interesting journey. Um, so I was actually shocked when I went in, because every year I do go in. I don't, by the way, I don't go in for all kinds of testing. I actually um, don't want to draw attention and focus on looking for stuff. Because yeah. I don't, th- I just energetically, I don't want to go hunting for stuff in my body, but I will, however, get, you know, my annual female checkup. And um, so I went in and I was shocked when my OBGYN was doing a scan and she goes, you've got a 
she's got a, a tumor. And she showed it to me on the ultrasound. And, um, and she goes, you've got cysts all over your ovaries. So I was in my early 40s at that time. And that was a shocker because I never had any gynecological problems ever in my entire life. I never even had PMS. Like I could wake up on the first day of my period. I could go for a five mile run. Like I just never had any problems with it. So that was kind of a surprise. And so she said, you need to come in tomorrow. We're doing a biopsy. And that's when I said, well, I'm not going to do a biopsy. And she was really angry with me. And I said, look, I want to find out why I've got it. I said, I don't want to get another, I don't want to get a biopsy because you know, I didn't tell her this, but I already know when you get a biopsy, you increase your chances of cancer. I don't care where it is. Mm. Like when they start cutting stuff out, you increases your chances of cancer because you're disrupting the energy in the field. You know, you're going to uh, disrupt the lymphatic flow, circulation, all kinds of things. So I just said, I just want to find out why I got it. So I was doing some research and, you know, Louise Hay has a great book called Heal Your Life. And I think when you look at something like Louise Hay, Hay's book about what, mean, what, this, what a particular condition or organ means, you know, I think a lot of it is pretty, you know, pretty accurate, not 100%, but, you know, it's pretty good. And so then I, it led me on a journey to understand more about why people get things and uh, what the healing is about. So in a nutshell, uh, the uterus is about not being fulfilled in your personal life or your professional life. And I knew that I really loved my, my business, my profession, what I was doing. That was very exciting. However, I was in a relationship that was very challenging. And I had to take a hard look at that because I thought to myself, wow, you know, I see women who come in with these things all the time and now I'm one of them. Mm. So I really want to find out why I've got it. So when I realized it was definitely more about my relationship, I started to write down, you know, some things um, to start doing EFT on. Like I actually wrote them down and I said, okay, this is what I, you know, why am I not, why am I in this relationship? I had to really like do some soul searching. Why am I in this relationship? What am I getting out of it? You know, and basically I was kind of staying in this relationship because I did not want to let my parents down in a nutshell. And so I, um, I really had to get some support and just basically say, look, I'm not staying in this you relationship. You approached your parents and said... Well, actually, I, I cheated a little bit. My aunt, who adores me, right. <laughs> uh, sort of approached my parents and said, look, she can't stay in this relationship. Actually, it was a marriage, to be honest. Right. And that's why it was harder, because that would mean divorce. Yeah. And my parents were like, oh my gosh, you know, so... Um, but, you know, nothing, the relationship was not going to change in the situation that I was in. So I did some tapping, cleared all that, was able to really have a good conversation with my parents about it, did it, um, and uh, just started, you know, tapping a little bit, a couple minutes every day. And over four months, I just knew it was gone. I knew everything was gone. A couple of minutes every day. Yeah, because t- tapping is quick. Like, you can do a round of tapping in a minute. Yeah. So I spent a few minutes a day. Just If something popped up and it made me think about it, I just thought, okay, as, as soon as I have a break t- later today, I'm going to tap on this. And I committed to it because this is my body, right? Okay, so prior to that, I went to a really good acupuncturist who's well-known for female health issues. So I actually went to him, and I told him my problem. I said, I need, I want you to do acupuncture on me. And he's like, don't mess with it. Go get the surgery. And I'm like, no, that's not what you're supposed to yeah. tell me. Right. And he goes, no, I'm not going to. No, he goes, don't mess with it. Just go do get the surgery. Do you think then because he 
did not believe in what he was doing or he was just too scared no, I think to give he, you... You know, I get that. He's a professional. Sometimes you just have to be careful in how you give advice, uh, which is really sad. Exactly. You know, like we can't really be honest sometimes. So when he said that to me, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And then I thought, wait a minute, I'll just treat myself. Wow. <laughs> I can just treat myself. So a few minutes every day for four months. Yeah, I'd say it took about four months when I knew it was gone. But I didn't want to go in for the other scan simply because, you know, that was like a six or $7,000 scan. Yeah. Like, I'm being practical here, too. I'm like, you know what? I know it's gone. I don't need to pay the money for, for her to tell me that. I'll just wait till another year goes by and I'll just go in. So I waited for another year. And when she's, she's like, oh, it's all gone. Nothing's here. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, no, that's no surprise to me. How did you know that it would work? I mean, was there a time when you had doubts about no. the treatment that you no, were giving yourself? No, because when you're doing EFT, you know, you're clearing a lot of stuff at a short amount of time. So it's a layer. You're doing, looking at it like an onion, right? When you're doing EFT, it's not like I'm just doing EFT and boom, it's gone. You have to look at all the layers of what this is about. So I'm just peeling the layers. But when it was done and I knew this is not a problem anymore. Um, I just, I don't know. You know, I think the body just has that wisdom. I think it's, it's quite amazing. Um, so then during that time, did you go on a special diet? It was an exercise routine, any mental work that supported this? Well, I'd always been on a, a, the best diet I could be on. I would say in Which Hong is, Kong, the best it? diet I can afford. Right. That <laughs> was some variety. Um, you know, I try to eat organic as much as I can. And I, you know, I had already learned about this stuff even before I moved to Hong Kong in 97. So I already understood factory farming and dairy industry, um, which was a shock for me because, of course, that involves, you know, uh, the government and what they allow. Mm. And that was a, that was kind of, a hard pill to swallow, thinking that, you know, we really aren't being protected um, uh, and keeping chemicals out of our body. But like I said, I already knew about it for a long time. But when I moved to Hong Kong in 97, it was challenging, you know, that time getting organic or anything, really. Um, and even in the paper, it wasn't unusual for the South China Morning Post to have yet another food item being recalled because of some toxic chemical. You know, people were dying. I remember one, one year, there were quite a few elderly people dying from chrysanthemum leaves because of something that was in a, with the, the chemicals from China um, had put in there. And so, you know, it was a, it was, um, you certainly couldn't order any organic produce online at that time. And the organic companies now, do you trust them, the ones in Hong Kong? There's some good ones? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah? I trust them because I also know how to test some certain things using some t technology. How do you test them? Um, I test it using, we have a bioresonance machine in the clinic, which um, I just get. So what, what does that do? It tells you whether it's good for you or not. Okay. So yeah, you, but also I do kinesiology or muscle testing, and I can test it that way too. So how do you, so you're holding the food, mm -hmm. and then you can, yeah, and then your body can tell you whether this is good for you or not. Yeah. Well, you have to muscle test something. You have to hold up your arm. Uh, I do it with my fingers, um, and I can test and tell if something's good or not. And I do it regularly because sometimes it doesn't test well. Sometimes it does. 
Well, first of all, I'll be honest. I don't think anything is totally 100% organic. Mm -hmm. And I know that because when I was living on an avocado ranch, growing more or my own produce, I know what organic looks like. And it looks... Not pretty. <laughs> no, it's not pretty. And I would have to cut the bugs off and the, the caterpillars and stuff off my vegetables mm. <laughs> before I even brought them into the house. Um, but, uh, they, boy, they tasted good. I mean, they right. really had a lot of flavor, but they, they didn't look good. So when I look at organic, and I'm looking at it, it still looked really perfect. And I know, you know, maybe it's hydroponics or whatever. Is there someone in Hong Kong that you would recommend or that you... Order from regularly. Oh well, gosh, there's. I'm just, always looking for organic veggies because you know what? What I found. Okay, so now what I do is whenever I can find it, um, in whatever way, whether some I don't do it so much online because mm. I'm traveling a lot, so it's hard to be consistent right. of when I can get it. But when I go into the, our supermarkets, you know, if it's organic, for sure, if it's a root vegetable like potato, carrot, I try to get organic because mm. I know for a fact that. Um, if you, if it's in the, in the soil like that, it, in order for it to test organic, they have to make sure the soil's been cleaned for a few years before it tests, uh, without pesticide residue, because it takes a long time for that stuff to come out of the soil. I mean, there's places here that you can get it from China. I think that they're reliable. I mean, right. I, I know China has a bad reputation, but... There's people who do grow produce from China, and I think that those are good. Okay. Um, but I, what I also found, too, is that baking soda. Some people use vinegar, some people use salt, and you can also use baking soda. If you soak your vegetables and just keep agitating them in, in clean water, with I use baking soda at home, uh, for 20 minutes you can get a lot of the residue. So you just have a big bucket of water, put some baking, like a teaspoon, how much would you put in there? Um, I usually take a big handful. Oh, a handful? I'll put a whole handful in yeah. a big... Um, big bowl of water yeah. and um, you know some produce some produce you can wash ahead of time yeah. some you can't you have to be careful like yeah, berries you don't really want to do that with berries because they just fall apart yeah. unless I freeze my berries which I often will freeze right. them um, so I can have them in a smoothie but so like produce I'll do that agitate them and keep stirring them and um, making sure that they're clean takes about that's 20 minutes that's a great minutes. tip actually yeah and it's affordable yes you know so because easy. I don't know about the veggie wash spray right because you just spray it and rinse like I think I don't know maybe I should read the instructions again do you spray it and leave it for 20 minutes no, and then leave and then it like 30 seconds or 60 30 seconds, seconds that doesn't seem like a long yeah. time to me um, so uh, yeah, I do it that way. It makes it affordable, and also too, there's certain vegetables I really love, but we're never going to get them organically. Yeah, you know, one of them is, is cilantro or coriander. I've never seen an organic right. coriander, <laughs> and it's such a wonderful detoxing vegetable for removing heavy metals. Right, and I love the taste of it. Right, so you know, like it. for sure, I, I'm not going to get coriander, and I'm not going to take it out of my diet because I can't get it organically. But what I can get organic, beets, potatoes, carrots, uh, whenever I can find them, cauliflower, which is a total arm and a leg, isn't it? It's insane. Like it, it comes out to like 10 US dollars for a head of cauliflower. Because yes. um, I do the if cauliflower If it's not moldy rice. already. It's like yeah. this black mm. stuff on top. Yeah. Let's go back to your diet. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so you were saying that you try to eat organic, organic as much as, as, much possible. as possible. Oh, so, so I think my diet, would I would call it a pagan diet. And a pagan diet would be kind of paleo, but vegan, sort of. Right. So what's your breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What does, well, yeah, right now I've been about? doing intermittent fasting for about six months, which I love. Um, so I only eat within an eight-hour window. So I usually skip breakfast, but I have one black coffee. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in order to get me through that tra transition, initially, I would have a bulletproof coffee. Because I would put in the, you know, clarified butter, coconut oil, blend a coffee. Well, I can tell you that will fill you up. So I would not be hungry until one. But then I, I knew I needed to get off of it. So I got off of that and just had black coffee. I think, actually, I think there's a lot of health benefits to coffee. But having said that, my coffee is organic. Right. I, there's a huge amount of pesticides, unfortunately, in coffee. So, and I found that out when I did a detox. You know, like a lot of people do detox, they get those really bad headaches. Yes. Um, so I was at a place called The Farm in the Philippines, and I would go regularly. I did a detox. I would always get a headache, and it was from the coffee, going off coffee. Well, I, I switched, when I switched to organic coffee and then I did my fasting, I didn't have a headache. And I was like, wow, that is very unusual because for the last seven years when I did my fasting and detox, I would get the worst headaches for days. And, it's just not and when I went on to organic coffee... When I fast, I don't get the headaches anymore. So I think there's something to be said for organic coffee. And like I said, I think there's health benefits to coffee. Yeah. So anyway, so... Um, what were and then lunch. Oh, so lunch. So I try to eat... I eat a huge amount of vegetables. Um, green vegetables, green leafy vegetables. I try to mix it up, you know, eat from the rainbow, like they say. So you do a salad or is um, it Sometimes I do salad. And sometimes I actually like to poach my vegetables. I don't think everybody can tolerate a completely raw diet because mm -hmm. I have done that for three months on a vegan raw diet. Um, it takes a lot more energy mm. to break down raw food. But sometimes it's just really refreshing. But I, if I'm making a nice big salad, I might poach my broccoli. I might poach the carrots. Okay. I might do other stuff with it to help digest it a little bit, throw in some, you know, fermented stuff in there, olives, capers, um, of course, kimchi. I'm half yep. Korean. Do you make I, your own kimchi? Huh? Do you make your own kimchi? No, I, no I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, you know how to make one. Let me know because I want to learn too. It's not easy because it depends on the climate. And right. usually when you make kimchi traditionally, you're making a huge amount. You don't make a little bit. Yeah, they share with the neighborhood. Every Korean has a kimchi refrigerator because you don't really want to be mixing that with your other food. And so what do you have for dinner? Oh, for dinner, same as lunch, lots of vegetables and some sort of protein. So, you know, like I'll eat eggs, uh, fish, I get wild salmon. Not, it's not wild salmon, it's farm salmon, but it's not the traditional farm salmon. Like, I really trust my fishmonger. I buy a whole salmon. <laughs> Where do you buy your fish? Oh, this, this is great. Um, I go to a place called Hooked on um, Cane Road. Okay. And Matthew there... Um, he gets amazing salmon from New Zealand. I, you know, I was always a Pacific Northwest kind of person. I lived in that area, loved the salmon. But honestly, with what I'm reading about Fukushima and the radiation coming across, you know, 300 tons of gunk going into the ocean on a daily basis, why people are not talking about Fukushima, I don't know. But it is coming into all the other areas, and the Pacific Northwest, I think, is being affected uh, with their, you know, the sea life. So now I'm getting my salmon from New Zealand. So I go to Hooked, get my whole salmon, fillet it. He fillets it for me. So I eat a lot of fish. I eat organic, grass-fed um, beef right. a bit. I like lamb. Usually lamb is naturally more healthy because they don't uh, f feed grain to lamb. They're still fed grass. Yeah. That's the problem, right? When you feed cows grain, it, they can't digest it. So it blows up their stomach, so they have to feed them antibiotics to keep the uh, infection down. So when you let them eat their natural food, which is grass, they can digest it. But right. people want that fatty, aged beef, which is full of antibiotics and hormones. 
you ate this diet when you were healing from your tumor. I was already well. on that diet. You were already doing this I was diet. already on that diet. Any mental work as well? Um, well, the tumor, well, like I said, I had to, you know, the EFT, the EFT, the relationship. So in mind body medicine, the uterus is about not being fulfilled. So my body created the tumor to fill it up, which was the healing. The tumor is the healing. The tumor was the healing. The tumor is the healing because I was unfulfilled. And I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it's, this is such a complicated field. And I, if if I start going into it, it sounds crazy, (laughs) but initially you lose cells. Initially, the body loses cells a little bit. So now the body, because I'm losing, I have this loss. So to repair it, the body in its infinite wisdom wants to fill it up. So the tumor is actually the healing. Same with breast. Mm. I've actually helped quite a few women who had, were, who had breast tumors. And it was not unusual in this case that they had just had a miscarriage, right? So that kind of a shock, of course, is going to be very upsetting. The breast is about, you know, nurturing And so if a woman, in the case of a woman having unexpected miscarriage, I really encourage them to address the emotional issues. And just talking about it sometimes isn't enough because you don't really get over it. But with EFT, we can really get over some things you cannot resolve 100%. And that is when when someone dies. Like you might not get over it 100%, but you have a different feeling about it. And you let go of all the layers of maybe I was part of this, maybe I am to blame. Because a lot of people tend to blame themselves for an unexpected death about, of someone that they love. So you have to get rid of all that layer and then come up with, well, what, what did I get out of this? What did it teach me? Um, where is that person? Whatever your, your religious beliefs are, we, we look at that. Are they in heaven? Who are they with? You know? Or have they been reincarnated to come back in a different life to do something else? Wow. What do you learn from this? So, you know, when the woman loses that unexpected loss, like in the case of a, a, a miscarriage, the, initially the cells will be lost from the breast tissue. So the body repairs it by building a tumor, by filling it up. So, so you've had experience. Oh with yeah, I worked with like women that. with that for sure. Yes. And yes. did the EFT help yes. with the breast yes. cancer? Well, yes, oh, it helped with the tumor. the tumor. They didn't, like like me, they didn't want to do the biopsy necessarily. Some of them did the biopsy, in which case, I'm, you know, yeah, we combined that treatment with lymphatic drainage. So it was medical diagnosed, and then it was gone? Yes. Wow. Very effective. And, and we're talking early stages. So sometimes when something gets that late stage, sometimes you do have to have surgery. Yeah. Because it's just some of these are huge. Some of these tumors are massive. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to do that. But while you're doing that, and if somebody chooses to have chemo radiation, doesn't matter. Just do what you want to do. And then you just can add some alternative therapy to it. You don't have to pick or choose, in yeah. my opinion. And then the body can still heal. And then you can still heal the body. And we, I do a lot of really cool energetic work to help them dump the chemicals. Let's dive deeper into EFT. Um, mm. What is EFT? It's emotional freedom emotional technique. Emotional freedom technique. So for those out there who don't know, can you just give a yeah. brief... In a uh, nutshell, EFT is talk therapy using acupuncture points. Um, but thankfully, you don't have to use needles. You can just tap on them very lightly or massage them. It can be done for anybody of all ages. And you just focus on what your problem is and be as specific as you can about the problem. So, for example, if you say, um, you know, um, my mother never loved me. Um, 
it's better. It's it, that's just too general. So if you go back in time and you start, you know, I, we, I guide people as we're tapping because as you're tapping, it comes a lot of subconscious uh, beliefs start surfacing and memories start surfacing. So now we can target, well, when's the first time you felt like your mom didn't love you? So I want to go to a very specific event where they felt like my mom didn't love me. And when you start releasing the earliest memories, um, some big ones, then all of, the, all of those kind of pretty much collapse. You don't have to do every single event. Actually, I remember that was one of the big ones with my first sessions with you because I was really struggling with motherhood and to have that, releasing that childhood memory with my mother. Okay, yeah. Really. It changed how you changed. felt about your yes. being a mother. Yes. It's profound. Yes. It's so, I mean, it's so, um, <laughs> it's just like the shift is so fast. And they always say the downfall to EFT is just how easy it is. Because most of us are we're used to slugging through something. Right. Like you have to really put in a lot of work and you have to, you know, all this stuff to get over some sort of a problem. You got to fight your fears, like all that stuff. Yeah, no, you don't have to. <laughs> um, how did you get into EFT in the first place? Mm. Yeah, so I, uh, it's probably 22 years ago. Uh, I was, um, I, there's a website that I really love. It's called uh, Dr. McCullough. And I think he's like 22 years old now as of today. So it was still a fairly new website. It's a very different website then than it is now because he offers a lot of products, which I think is brilliant. Because when he first had his website, he would give you all this great information, but you wouldn't know where to go to get it. Mm. You're like, well, you know, now what? <laughs> so anyway, I really liked his content, did a huge amount of research. He kept talking about this tapping thing. This, he goes, it's weird, but it works. It's weird, it's work. But I trusted him and um, what I was learning from his website to give it a try. So he's like, okay, now pick a bad memory and you start tapping on these points. And so I'm thinking, oh, what memory could I think of? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a bad memory. And it's easy for me to talk about this now because I've done so much work on it. But basically the memory I chose was when I was uh, in my early 20s, I got attacked and raped. And I just buried it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about this. We're not, I'm not going to even tell my parents. Um, didn't tell it, anybody. And um, what ended up happening was, you know, there was a trigger. This guy who, who, uh, who tacked me had a very distinct accent that I had never heard of before. It was a stranger? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the guy. And, but he was, when he was speaking to me, his accent was really unusual. And so it wasn't until I, you know, several years later, I'm working in a clinic. This guy starts commenting on me, another physical therapist, and, um, you know, saying things to me that really rubbed me the wrong way. Like he said stuff like, oh, God, you've got really beautiful legs. You know, which now we call what? What is that word called? sexual harassment. Yes. We didn't have like that sort of stuff going on. But I just know it bothered me, but it really bothered me. Like weird bothered me. Like I wanted to like attack him and whatever. But I, I started getting night terrors, really bad night terrors. His comments triggered His comments you. I, I realize now because yes. what happened was I started getting night terrors. My night terrors were being stalked by a man and I would turn around and he would have a knife and I would take the knife from his hand and I would start stabbing him. I mean, they were bloody. They were horrific. Like I could not sleep at night. The thought of falling asleep was just so scary. So what happened was the trigger I realized was he had the same accent as the guy who attacked me. That was just a trigger. In EFT, we wow. call that an aspect. 
So that voice and him making those comments triggered the unresolved uh, rape that I didn't deal with. So I started having night terrors. So one of my patients at the time was a really well-known psychologist. I was living in Santa Barbara. Her name's Daphne Rose King. I don't even know if she's alive anymore. She, I, we were chatting about it. And she goes, Caroline, you need to go to a psychotherapist. She goes, this is a real anger issue. You need to deal with this. So I got the name of a really good psychotherapist, Virginia, lovely woman, graduated from Stanford, PhD. And I spent about eight, nine years with her in and out of psychotherapy trying to get over this trauma. And we talked about everything. I did all kinds of great work with her. So anyway, that was the memory I chose because it still bothered me. So I tap on this memory and within minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, that doesn't bother me. I was like blown away. I'm like, how is that possible? And this is just from online. You're just this is online, this me tapping on that memory. And I'm like, I was so blown away by that. I thought, all I said to myself is, I'm learning this. I never thought I would do it, like, as a, like with my patients. I just wanted it for me. I wanted it to me, I mean, help my family or whatever, you know. You know, the developer of EFT is a wonderful guy by the name of Gary Craig, who gifted the world this amazing technique basically for free. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just sat every night and just watched these videos for hours. And I would tap on myself as I was doing them. Yeah. How long did it take you to work through well, I've that? been working on myself. You know, I'm always, a, a, I'm always working on myself on something, um, uh, like a living experiment. <laughs> uh, but it's fun, right? Because none of it's harmful. There's no side effects. You can't make it worse. You can't damage it. There are no... Side effects, like a drug, has a side effect. EFT, natural therapies don't have side effects. They work or they don't. And the other beauty about EFT is it's not a placebo. So even if you don't... I was going to ask you about that. Even if you don't believe in it, it still works. Yes. That's just like with chemotherapy. Like one of the questions that oncologists will say to their patient is, you know, do you, you know, do you believe in it? If the person absolutely does not believe in chemotherapy, they won't do it. But things were changing. I would start thinking in a different way. I would approach things in a different way. I would respond in a different way. I was getting more creative in my ideas and my thoughts. You know, because if you're under a huge amount of stress all the time, and when you have old traumas, they're still playing out in your body right now as if they're still happening. And you have little triggers that might bring them up, but they're constantly playing out. So when you're releasing all those stress hormones all the time, it's not only aging you, it shuts down your body, ability for your body to heal, right? Your body can't be in fight or flight mode and rest and repair at the same time, but the body will always choose fight or flight. Because if you really think you're under threat, whether it's really not a threat because, mm. oh, God, I'm missing a deadline. You're not going to die, yep. even though you think my boss is going to kill me. You're not. So, you know, that, that thought, whether it's real or not, doesn't matter. The whole of the immune system and your fight-or-flight mechanism, your nervous system, autonomic nervous system kicks in, and your immune system shuts down. So as I was, you know, dampening down all these traumas, my, I, my body was regenerating, repairing, and things were changing. It was really kind of cool. So you treat patients at the body group with EFT. Is there whenever I can a mm-hmm. memorable story that you can share with us? Yeah, I've got a lot because when I teach, I learn a lot too from my patients. So I teach three-day workshops. So when you're with three, you know, people for three days, we can start clearing huge amount mm. of stuff in three those three days. 
Um, but when he, when's the next one? I want to sign up. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want. I, I'm my next one's in Manila, <laughs> into November. But I would love to run another one in Hong Kong this Maybe year. Maybe I grab a group of girlfriends together. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. And, yeah. Everybody in Hong Kong's just too busy. It's so sad. So this woman was referred to me by her OBGYN, who was very open-minded, and she had a, a prolapsed vagina, which meant. It, the vagina was dropping down, not the uterus. That's right. common. If you've had multiple pregnancies and things like that, sometimes the uterus will come out, prolapse. Um, in this case, it was her vagina. So anyway, long story short, um, I th- it took us about a month, I think. But as we started clearing things, it was really interesting because she would come in and she would say, oh, you know what, it's all better. Uh, but on Friday it came back over the weekend, but then it got better on Monday. That's, that's a huge thing. Like how does something that needs surgery go away for five days and then come back? Right. Right. So I knew we were on to something and she knew something was changing. So as we delved deeper into what was going on in her life and her, you know, some stuff, it, it eventually just, it went away permanently. It was really interesting. And she went on to become an EFT practitioner that profoundly changed her life. What was it that was caught? I mean, it was not a physical reaction, right? It was like you're saying, it's always an emotional... Well, she was angry at her husband. And so you say when she was angry, it would come back. Yeah, because then she didn't have to be intimate with him. It was a good way to not be intimate with him because she was so angry. (laughs) (laughs) And if they were going to be intimate, it was on the weekend. (laughs) That is quite it's, Yeah, powerful. it was quite interesting. And so, you know, there's a lot of things we create because it gets us out. You know, it's like all the, sometimes we create stuff because it gets us out of things too. I think, though, the best case study is you. Oh, yeah. You're going to share with us another story, how you healed yourself with EFT, yeah. with your heart. Right? right. So, okay, so going back to my thoracic spine, I had decided to go get an MRI a few years ago. Because I thought, you know, I'm just curious to know what that looks like now. Because if it was eighty, it was an 80-year-old spine in my 20s, what does it look like in my 50s? So um, I went and had an MRI of my spine, which is perfectly normal. <laughs> so when people say, oh, my God, you've got arthritis, if you've got that belief system, like, I'm going to be old and crippled, well, whatever you believe, you're going to get, right? So... Um, so I, your spine. So when I when I got the meaning behind why my thoracic spine was degenerated, it's about you know not um, having confidence and not um, you know believing in myself and you know having a lot, low self worth and all that stuff. So as I was tapping on that, focusing on my spine for you know off and on for a while, I thought you know I should just get an MRI. So yeah, go in for an MRI. Perfectly normal. I don't have Sherman's disease. No, it's gone. So how does it reverse right. the body? The bone, people think bones are just bones. They're like dead. You know, it's really living tissue. It regenerates. It's if you cold. cut yourself, it repairs. Well, if your bone has damage, why can't that repair? Understanding why is my body doing this and clearing that up. So between the tumor and the thoracic spine, I'm like, wow. Yeah, like that's not enough trauma. So <laughs> I decided to then go work on my heart. So I was born with a mitral valve. Uh, prolapse. And I didn't know it at the time because I was athletic. So what is that? Okay, so it means uh, when blood gets shunted from one chamber to another, the valve is leaky. So it regurgitates back into the other chamber. It doesn't actually go through. Okay. So it's a leaky valve. 
So the, how does that feel in the body? When well, happens? I'm not sure how it felt, but I know as a child I would get really bad chest pains. Now, I'm not sure if it was the mitral valve prolapse, but I would get the most stabbing pain in my chest. Like I would take my breath away and I'd be like, <gasps> I couldn't breathe. But I knew that if I took a really deep breath quickly, as painful as it was, the pain would go away. That was the only way I knew how to get rid of the pain. And I was like four or five. And I remember talking to my friends. I clearly remember this, being with my friends. We're all four or five. And, and it's weird because looking back at yourself, you're like, I had that kind of a conversations, right? Like at that age. But I remember saying I said to my friends, you know, when you get that really sharp pain in your chest, right through your chest, and you can't breathe, what do you do? They looked at me like they didn't know what I was talking about. They didn't have it. I didn't know. I thought everybody had it because I had it for as long as I could remember I had them. So I, I, I didn't know any different. I thought everybody had it. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, oh. So, but it wasn't until I was 19, I had an EKG and I had an abnormal. Was it EKG? EKG. Is it an EKG? It was a, they measure your uh, uh, heart. Okay. Uh, your heart has a certain uh, wave pattern. Right. Uh, when it beats. And mine was abnormal. And I was like, oh. It's okay, so I have an abnormal heartbeat. And then uh, it wasn't until um, much later, um, I, don't, I, I, it, I had a, actually an ultrasound, a real ultrasound. And I saw, the, I, saw the, I saw the valve. I saw the regurgitation. I saw the blood going, trying to, going through a valve. And then when it contracted, the next chamber, the blood was going backwards. Like, so not all the blood was going through. And I was like, ah. Oh. I do have a mitral valve prolapse. I mean, sometimes that's useful because when you have stuff like that, before you go to the dentist, they tell you to take an aspirin. Why? Because when you're cleaning your teeth, the teeth is like, a week. I could talk about the teeth all day long, but the teeth has a huge amount of bacteria. So when they're stirring up bacteria, when you're going in for teeth cleaning or anything like that, you release a huge amount of toxicities and it goes into your heart. It can affect your heart. But anyway, they don't recommend that anymore. So I'm not, you know, anybody who's taking aspirin before having your teeth cleaned and you got a mitral valve prolapse, they're now telling you not to do that. So anyway, I... I was like, okay, well, so I decided, hey, if I can fix my thoracic spine and fix my bones, and if I can get rid of a tumor and all these cysts, why not work on my heart? So that's what I did. I started working on my heart. But since I was born with it, I did a different type of EFT, advanced form of EFT, called matrix re-imprinting, where we travel through time and work with the problem. So I went to my unborn self. I shrunk myself down. I pictured myself inside my mom, uh, seeing me and my little sister side by side and tapping on my unborn self for what it was it about my heart, you know, like tuning into that and realizing, you know, gosh, you know, mom's really stressed. She's always got all these worries and, you know, so I would have, I had a conversation with my unborn self having my unborn higher self, having a conversation with my mother's higher self. Like what is a telepathy? Higher self? Your higher self is more your spiritual being, not, not just, just your what we're you know here. Right. Like, so I could actually have a, an adult conversation because my higher self could have an adult conversation with my mom's higher self. And since we kind of did have a little bit of a language barrier, she didn't really speak English then. <laughs> you know, we could communicate. So I chose to communicate in that way. Just a conversation like, God, oh, I know you're really stressed and. You know, I'm sure that this is really tough for you. My mom was from North Korea, so she had she already had a traumatic 
childhood growing up during the Japanese occupation of Korea. She lost three brothers, three sisters, her parents by the age of 14. So, you know, mm. like remember when I said I want to learn AFT, not just to help myself, but to help my family. So I wanted to do stuff for my mother as well help clear bad memories that she had. So anyway, so I'm having this dialogue, my higher self with my mom's higher self, and I did this about four sessions. And I knew my heart was fine. So I went to a cardiologist right around the corner and said, I got a mitral valve prolapse, just like to check it out. Sure, no problem, wore a 24-hour monitor, had another ultrasound, EKG, and basically when I, go in, when I go in, I took somebody with me this time. I took somebody within, like, wanted to hear the results of my heart condition. And he's like, well, you were clearly misdiagnosed because there's nothing wrong with your heart. It's perfectly fine. And I said, okay. I didn't want to argue. But you saw it. Oh, I know. I, no, I had it. I know that I had yes. it. I'm not going to argue with yeah, the cardio. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you very much. I'm, I'm really thrilled, right? I'm yes. like, yay. Okay. This is awesome. Wow. And so that's when I felt, you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there. We are exposed to so much stuff, whether we're breathing in polluted air, getting it in our food, negative thoughts, worrying about what's happening in the world, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, I feel really confident with the skills that I know now that whatever comes my way, I feel like I can take care of it. Mm. I look at that as a message and figure out what that message is, and I really have the confidence that my body can heal. Did it's you, really very quite comforting because a lot of people I know run around worrying that they're going to get cancer because it runs in the family. Right. Which and they're getting is checked of, and tested constantly, right? Because right. you know, you, if you're always uh, living your life in fear, that's not really living a real healthy life, is it? I want to ask you, did you ever use EFT on your mom? I did. And were you able to... I helped her a lot. In what way? Um, <clears throat> what were some of the blockages that she was able to... She had a lot of bad memories. I mean, like, horrible memories. Um, I, it's probably where I got the drive to do what it is that I do. I know it is. I mean, I heard stories that probably shouldn't, little kids probably shouldn't hear. <laughs> About her own experience. Her own experiences of what she witnessed. And I don't even want to talk about it because it can be really traumatic. I don't want to talk about it. I can tell you it's really mm. traumatic. But I think at a young age, my sister's the same way. Like, we didn't grow up with bedtime stories. We grew up with other stories. <laughs> bless, bless my mom's heart. She's not alive anymore. But I, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot. But at a very young age, I already felt like I needed to save the world because mm. the world was a, could be a really scary place. And, you know, when I was... Seven. Every time there was a storm, I would go out on my bicycle and I'd go look for all the little baby birds that fell out of their tree and try to like put them back up in the tree or take them home and try to nurse them. Sadly, they never lived. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> I cry every time. Um, but, you know, I already had that. Like, I really wanted, that's why I didn't know if I wanted to be a vet or something else. Like, I really wanted to help yeah. every living being, right? Because my mom's Buddhist. My right. mom's Buddhist. You know, every living thing wants to live. I used to pick her flowers, and she'd say, well, when you pick those flowers, do you know that little snap? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, that's the plant crying because you picked it. And I'm oh, like, no. oh. <laughs> she probably didn't want me to, like, you know, you know, the neighbors call up and say, your daughter's picking my flowers, or I'm ruining her flower garden, right? But that was kind of like how I grew up. 
believing everything wants to live, you know. So I wanted to save the world. That was my that was um, my program. I am an <laughs> advocate for EFT. It's worked for me. You are an awesome case study. Obviously, I would recommend anyone who are interested to come to see you or come to the body group and get a treatment because a one-on-one is so effective. Mm. I remember even last weekend when I was having a session with you, I had a thought and I did not even blink. I probably just held my breath for a second or something and you noticed it. And then you were able to help me work on that even more and deeper. Mm. And it was really profound for me. But for those who can't, have, who can't see a practitioner right now or have access and whatnot, uh, where can they get information or resources to start? Well, thankfully, you know, I mean, you can find a lot about it, EFT on um, DuckDuckGo. I don't like using Google yeah. anymore. <laughs> but um, you can search all kinds of practitioners. They're everywhere all over the world, you know. Um, uh, my favorite website, like if somebody's looking, for, if somebody says to me, I'm looking for somebody, you know, I go, always go to the Matrix Reimprinting website, www.matrixreimprinting. I look under the um, uh, find a practitioner, type in the country, whatever. Because I know if, if, you, if you're an EFT practitioner who's done Matrix, it, it's, it's like EFT on speed. As mm-hmm. if EFT isn't fast enough, it makes it even faster. And I know also a lot of the Matrix uh, practitioners have also studied what I studied, like we call it meta-health analysis. I just call it mind-body um, medicine, you know, because there's lots of different types of meta-health workshops. But I go there, I can find a practitioner um, there's not a lot of them, mm. but um, they're, they're pretty much in all the countries, I think. And then what I'll do, too, is I just say, look, go on there and you'll find somebody. Gary Craig's got a website, the developer, although I think he's veering off and doing a little bit of other stuff. But there's a lot of websites in, in Australia. They're so much more progressive. You know, They're teaching it in schools. It's great. They're doing it for eating disorders, stress, you know, exam stress and stuff like that. I just trying to get into the schools here in Hong Kong, but they're just so against it because um, I think it's just too alternative. It looks weird. I've explained it's not a religious thing. Oh, it works. I did it on my daughters. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And even my younger one, because I haven't done it for a while, and then I'm like, oh, let me do some magic tapping. I call it magic tapping to make you feel better. She was just like grumpy and she's like no I don't want it don't do it to me and I'm like okay and then I just kind of gently started and then she's like keep going mm. and she's like mommy keep going this feels really good oh yeah that's so it's nice amazing. to hear can you imagine if you didn't you know, okay so kids clear quickly because they haven't had the trauma as long as an adult has. Mm. So they shift really quickly. So if, if a parent could do that with their child on a daily basis, Claire, whatever, what happened, how was your day at school today? Tell me something great. Tell me something that you'd like to see better. That would be a great thing to tap on. Yes. Right? So if you start clearing those, then they don't grow up with all that baggage that's weighing them down and those negative core beliefs about themselves. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever that they're carrying throughout their life. Now, having said that, all that, all that stuff, <laughs> it helped me be, to be what I am. It helped me to try to find solutions. But that's a lot of work, you know. Like, if, you, if I had children, I for sure would, you know, be doing that 
yeah. stuff with them. No, absolutely. So why I, not just have the best potential? Maybe instead of like an afternoon tutoring class, people should just go to an, an EFT session. It's a right? great idea. The result will be great idea. So and it opens up the frontal cortex and yes. allows for creativity and imagination. And I think, you know, we really need more of that. Well, there you go. Anyone out there who wants to get in touch with Caroline? So I haven't seen you in years. A few months ago, I bumped into you at the Watchdog charity event. Right. You were looking amazing, glowing. And we're like, what, Caroline? What? You know, and we kind of noticed each other. And I knew from our past conversations, you were into weight training and like really into your fitness. And I, was, I remember asking you, yes, how, how's that going? What are you up to? And then you're like, well, I'm into sexy yoga now. <laughs> And I could just see my face go red with excitement. It's like, I want to know all about this. And so that night, I think I came home, sent you an email. Caroline, what is this sexy yoga that you're talking about? So can you tell us more about it? How did you get into it? Why are you doing it? Well, I know that a lot of um, female health issues, I know where those, a lot of that stuff is coming from. And it can be old, old stuff. Mm. Beliefs about yourself or... Something could happen. Sex is, sex is pretty important. And um, when you think about it from a very um, primal perspective, you know, we need to have sex. Otherwise, the species dies out. It's like food. It's very basic. It's very primitive uh, brainstem activity, right, for us to procreate. But unlike other animals, we don't just have sex to procreate. We have sex because it feels good. Mm. And I know when you're having sex, uh, whether you're having sex with yourself or with a partner, um, you're releasing huge amounts of um, regenerative hormones, you know, anti-aging hormones, I guess you could say. Uh, oxytocin. Really? So oh. the more sex you have, the younger you look? Yeah. That's why you get that glow. Right. Because <laughs> you're like, you know, you're regenerating. Your cells are turning over faster, right? You know, I think it's kind of tantric sex may have been kind of made famous or infamous by Sting. He talks about it, right? And I don't know. a lot of guys don't like when they hear like, oh, well, you don't ejaculate. They're like, I don't want that. <laughs> Most guys are like, I'm not interested in that. Well, so it's really interesting because in tantric uh, practice, men actually aren't supposed to ejaculate so much because it depletes their chi, the energy, their right. energy, right? So they, they should be only um, ejaculating maybe every week or 10 days and, and holding on to that energy, and that energy is very powerful. Women, on the other hand, can have as many orgasms as they want, many and different kinds of orgasms. And so I wanted to ex sort of explore that sort of like, wow, that sounds, you know, why not? You know, a lot but of did women. Did you come across an article that prompted oh, you? Well, no, to what happened was I, I, I'm a really big fan of Mind Valley Academy. And I went to their A Fest in Bali last year. And I, you know, get Mind Valley. Um, Vishen Lakiani has podcasts on Spotify. I listen to all of that stuff. And I heard of this woman called Sami Zadora. Who, um, you can Google Sama Isadora, but just to let you know ahead of time, she had committed suicide. She, uh, you can read her story online, but anyway, 
Um, she had had some bad sexual abuse when she was young, and that's what led her on her journey. But I think her class, her workshop was really good. But a friend of mine is actually a sex therapist who said, you know, God, you're so open-minded about sex, because when I was working with her, I had said, you know, sex is really important. And she was married, three kids, like, who has time for sex? I'm just right. trying to get through the day. I'm like, it's really important. And then later she realized, wow, sex is really important. <laughs> so she became a sex therapist. So anyway, I, I thought, well, you know, I've always wanted to do tantric sex yoga practice, but I don't have a partner. And I kept thinking I needed a partner. And I thought, what the heck? I went on there and I'm like, what do you know? You don't need a partner. Who you be? So I started like, I was listening to these things and doing the exercises. I went and got these, they're called Kegel balls. Mm -hmm. You can use a jade egg. Um, As a physio, we know what Kegel balls are because we, you know, help women get their pelvic floor strength. But this just takes it to a whole new level because it's not just you're doing these contractions with your pelvic floor, which I can tell you is boring. Um, you actually do yoga. Have you done it? Have no, you been, I haven't. You do the yoga with it. You put the Kegel balls just in. Like the, the rotations yeah, the of rotation the pelvis. Stuff. Yeah. So you do the. You put the Kegel balls in, so you can actually start contracting these muscles. And I do. It's 20 minutes a day. I try to do it in the morning, or sometimes I do it at some time during the day. Um, it's really quick, and it feels great. And it just changes the energy. It moves the energy. And what I found was I was able to have multiple vaginal orgasms. And I forget what the percentage of women who can actually have vaginal orgasms as opposed to clitoral orgasms, but it's not as high. The vaginal orgasms are sometimes can be a bit of a mystery because some women are like, I think I had one. Right. <laughs> well, when you have one, you know you have one. <laughs> and when you have a total body orgasm, which I learned to do through the tantric yoga practice, it's just amazing. And you wow. really feel different. The energy changes. You feel like a, you feel great. And that's the other thing I learned is that you know, uh, I know a lot of people, they say, well, I've been with the same partner for so long, and I've seen people turn it around. I've seen people turn it around. But the other thing is, is that um, even if you don't want to do it with a partner, if you don't have a partner, you can still do it, and it feels amazing. And I really believe that sexual energy is very healing. And when I look at all these people with reproductive issues, I'm not saying all people have reproductive problems. Um, You know, sometimes there's a toxicity issue. We live in Hong Kong. We're breathing in bad air every day. Mm. (laughs) And we're not walking around with a HEPA filter, so we can't, you know, we can only control so much. But um, sometimes, you know, when you waken up that sexual energy, you use it to drive everything. Mm. It doesn't mean you're constantly thinking about sex, but it means that that energy is so powerful and you use it for enhancing uh, whatever it is you want to create in life. It doesn't have to just be a baby, right? Why don't people talk about it? I mean, why is this not as popular as yoga, regular yoga, stretching? And this is more powerful than just stretching your muscle. In my opinion, I think yes. it's mind-blowing. Why do you think that um, is? I think, you know, that's, that's always that, that taboo. And also in Asia, I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, I grew up with an Asian mother, and, you know, I was basically raised, like, you don't have sex till you get married, you don't have sex till you get married, you know, that sort of was drilled into my head. Um, I must say, every time I tell someone about this, ever since you've introduced it to me, and I talk to my friends, these women friends, their eyes light up. Actually, men as well. They're like, they want to know more about this. They're oh, interested. Awesome. And just by me talking about it, my energy level increases, and they get excited. Right. You know, you, I, can, I can definitely tell there's a, a change. So there's something 
I want to. Well, yeah, because when you can start having multiple orgasms or even a, even if you can have a, if you've never had a vaginal orgasm and then you start having them I can tell you your partner is so happy <laughs> <laughs> your partner partner's like wow that's great and then they feel happy. it too they feel it too right Right. so everybody's happy <laughs> and it brings you closer together exactly you know and so why not have that closeness but like I said if you don't have a partner you can still do it and it's a very rejuvenating so generally speaking, women nowadays are more empowered than ever in the workforce and society. And, but I do think it's at a price of our sensuality. Do you feel that sexy yoga can create more of a balance in the modern world, for women especially? I, yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that, um, you know, women are, you know, we, we've had to try to work harder, work different ways. You know, we feel like we should be paid equally. Yeah. <laughs> We work just as hard and, you know, some of us harder because when we get home, we got others, we still have to run a household. Um, so yeah, I mean it, when you start doing the yoga, what I also started to notice is that when I walked, I walked differently. I just sort of had this natural swing to my hips and it it was just like, it loosened up my pelvis. Yes, less rigid, loosened up my pelvis. The energy flowed better, loosened up my hips. I just felt differently about myself, and that, I think, is what can attract someone. You know, some, you can say somebody's got that special something. Yes, and, and it's, it's not, not about, just a sexual attraction, right? Right, it's not about wearing clothing that is sexy mm. or any of that stuff, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm all for, yeah, show your curves. You know, I really don't like certain fashions because they basically look like a sheet. <laughs> and I think, you know what, you got curves, show your curves. You know, that's what makes us women. And that's something to, you know, celebrate. Absolutely. We, we have so many talents that uh, men don't have. So rather than trying to be a man, let the men be men. Just, we can still get a lot accomplished. We can still be successful. We can still make good money and all that stuff, but in a feminine way. And, and that's not, you know, that's, that's coming from the inside, using that feminine energy. I think yeah, it's being, wonderful. being it's, our true self. Yeah, might not be something else that we're not. Yeah, it's a nice balance. I think it's a good balance. We need that. Yin, Absolutely. yang, bright, night, dark, winter, spring, whatever. That's what helps us come together, and I think it helps to improve relationships. And I wish that I had learned all that stuff more before. Well, you know, it's never too but late, you know but what? Yeah. yeah, it's never too late. Yeah, <laughs> it's never too late. Um, one final question: What is a book that you have gifted the most, or have left the strongest impression on you? Is it okay and to it mention could, several books? Yes, it, it could be more than one. The Candida Cleanse that I write, I like. I think everybody should do a Candida Cleanse once in their lifetime. I mean, I can I go that's into a separate bu- podcast that's altogether, a whole different right? on oh. gut and psychology syndrome, the gut and brain connection, because of you know all the learning disabilities we see. But the Coconut Diet by Cherie Kalbaum is an excellent twenty-one day Candida Cleanse. Everybody should do it once in their life. I think a lot more women should be doing it. They don't realize they have a Candida overgrowth. I've had, this is a whole other subject. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk on this for hours, but that's, everybody should do a candida cleanse. Basically, you're going to get a waste back. And there, you know, it's... Get a what? Waste. Okay. You get your waste. And the reason you want your waste back is because the size of your waste determines your uh, propensity towards a heart attack or a stroke later in life. So the right. bigger the waste is, the more prone you are to have a heart attack and stroke. 
Um, so that's all about inflammation in the body. I mean, I, like I said, I could talk about this for hours. But anyway, I think the coconut diet, get, do a candida cleanse at least since once in your lifetime. I do one every year. Um, my other favorite book, Kevin Trudeau. I read, this is a book I read before I moved to Hong Kong over 20 years ago, Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. I think all that stuff on factory farming is still, everybody I think is more aware of it. Um, so I think that gives you a lot of evidence. Um, he has a lot of evidence in there. But most people go online. People don't read books so much anymore. <laughs> the other book that I really like is one by Bruce Lipton yeah. called The Biology of Belief. I'll talk a lot about that in my EFT course. He's a cellular neurobiologist who had to quit teaching that we inherit all this disease because we don't. Maybe 3 to 5% of the illness is hereditary. The rest uh, we can get because based on a belief system. So if somebody says, oh, you know, breast cancer runs in your family, you could get it. If the person believes it, they, they could give themselves a condition based on that belief. Um, right now, too... <coughs> Christian Northrup has a book called Goddesses Never Age. I really like working with women to help them to age gracefully, mm. slow it down, do whatever you can to work on yourself from the inside out. Of course, there's all the external stuff we can do, right? Yeah. And, you know, you do it, fine, whatever. That's great. But let's do it from the inside out, too, because that's really amazing. Then you really feel it. That's the real it, stuff. You know, you're, every, everything moves differently. Your body works differently. Um, so I think Christian Northrup, I like all of her stuff, but the, her last book that came out, Goddesses Never Age, I wish I had picked this book up when I was 40. So I think that's a wonderful book, yeah. Perfect, um, I'm going to have to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get the book, you can get the audio book if you don't have time yes, to read. Exactly. You know, when you're at the gym, driving. listen to it for yeah, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Awesome idea. Caroline, thank you so much for being here, sharing all your information and I really think it's going to help a lot of people. It's been so much fun. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? I guess there's so much we didn't touch on, but anything that we missed? Well, I just think that, you know, there's some tools out there. Everybody can learn. You don't have to go back to school for years. There's some really amazing tools out there, like EFT is one of them. But I think that, you know, you have to really look at the body as a whole. Uh, the body doesn't make mistakes. Um, the body has a way of repairing things. We just sometimes need to just take a couple steps mm. to help put that process into place. Um, look at the body, like, you know, try to minimize toxins when you can, when you have a choice. But I think also, too, just be relaxed. Mm. Don't want to be too stressed about it. Um, it's not all one thing or another. I know some people are just all about the food. But I think basically what I have come down to really believe is it's our beliefs and our thoughts when we have negative thoughts that we can't let go of, and some of them are subconscious thoughts because of a trauma that's still playing out, and it's there to protect us so we can be aware of it in case it pops up, you know, into our uh, present-day life, which chances are it won't. But uh, when we get rid of those kinds of things and let going, letting go of worries about the future, mm. those things really um, affect our bodies and our body ability to repair and heal get back into some sort of sexual practice with yourself or with your partner. I, say, I think, you know, having a satisfying sex life is very healing. Yeah, they're like, okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, men don't have the hangups women do. I know, it's crazy. But there's another problem that men have right what? now. Porn. <laughs> That's another big problem. But, you right. know, you have to 
I think the men needs men, you know, need to get away from the porn and get back to being with a woman. Because you know, first of all, if you're on porn, you need to take zinc because you're ejaculating that much. You got a zinc that deficiency, once a week, right? <laughs> right? You got a zinc deficiency. Anyway, okay. So, where can people find you? www.thebodygroup.com you know my website they can contact us that way uh, got a great team here yeah if you email me I'm always happy to you know hear what you have to say um, I really truly like helping people like it really is is my passion because you know what every time I help someone I feel good when I feel good my cells they just like mm. they're doing the happy dance <laughs> That is so awesome. Thank you so much, Caroline. Thanks, Donna. What an amazing woman. I would love to dive deeper into these topics in the future. Let's hope there's a part two. Leave a comment if you would like more insights on any of the things we talked about. I would encourage you to check out one of Caroline's workshops or make an appointment to see her at The Body Group in Hong Kong. Details of the books Caroline mentioned will be posted in the show notes. Be sure to visit interested.blog to join the conversation, access the show notes, and leave a comment or review. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Thanks.